you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. so strongly in this place I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly on me this morning I don't mind telling you I started on a journey about three days ago to get more of Jesus and I can't tell you what he's doing in my life I can't tell you the things that he's speaking to me and I can't tell you what it means to me to wake up in the morning my eyes to pop open and God begin to speak to me so powerfully and so strongly I'm here to encourage somebody you just need to get on a journey to find Jesus this morning I don't care what you're facing Jesus can fix it all I don't care what it may look like but getting a hold of Jesus can fix everything this morning You've tried everything else, and everything else has failed. But why don't you go ahead and try Jesus this morning? Because Jesus can work it all out. Uh, Forgive me, I don't really know what to do this morning. If you have your Bibles, Judges chapter 15. I do want to say what an honor it is to have the Gonzaleses with us this morning. The kind of parents I want to be, they drove all the way from Texas just to surprise their little girl to be here at All Nation Sunday. We honor you. Thank you so much for being in the house of God with us. 
going to tell you what God did for me on Friday. Cheryl and I were in Terre Haute. We're at some mentorship meetings that we were going through. And everything went great on Thursday. And I woke up Friday morning and I was sitting in bed and kind of propped up being lazy and reading my Bible and praying. And I went to get out of bed and the enemy attacked me like he hadn't attacked me in a long time. I, I went to lean forward and something pinched in my back and I just cried out, oh Jesus, not today. God, please no. And with that, the enemy just, I, I'm going to call it an attack of the enemy. Just begin to attack my body. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't catch my breath. I couldn't do anything. All I could do was call on the name of Jesus. And I had a praying wife in the bed. She began to intercede. She began to pray and call on the name of Jesus. And I want you to know in a moment, God healed me. I woke up this morning. And the enemy's trying to get me again, but I'm here to serve him notice. He ain't going to have it. I'm not going to have it this morning. God's going to touch my body. I'm believing for a complete, total healing and restoration in my body. Whatever you're facing today, God can take care of it. He can take care of it. We are living in what I believe is the greatest hour of the church. The greatest day to be alive is today. God is calling ministers. He's calling individuals. He, he is revealing divine purpose in lives because in this last day, He's going to do something in this end time that is going to be greater than anything that He has ever done. And He is calling you, and He's calling me, just to be a part of it. How many in this building today would lift your hands and say, I want to be a part of what God is doing in these last days. Judges 15, verse number 3. The word of the Lord said, and Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the firebrands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistine and burnt up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and the olives. Samson, can you imagine trying to catch a fox, let alone 300? He gathers them together. He binds them together. He sets in the midst of them a torch. He lights it, Pastor Brandon, on fire. And then he turns him loose. I want to preach to you for the next few moments from this subject. Set the field on fire. He caught them. He brought them together. Unified them. He set them on fire and then he let him go. The fire was so hot that it consumed the entire harvest of the Philistines. 
everything was consumed by the fire that was started by just one man. Set the field on fire. Put your Bibles down. Raise your hands to heaven. And would you ask God, I feel it so strongly this morning. Father, you've spoken. God, you've impressed. You've done a work in my life and in my mind and my heart. God, and right now I need your anointing like I've never needed it before. God, would you anoint me? Would you anoint my lips? Would you anoint my mind? Would you anoint my heart, God? Lord Jesus, to preach what I feel that you have laid on my heart this morning to your people. Let it not let, let land on deaf ears, but God, open our ears to hear our minds to understand and our hearts to receive today your word and we'll give you praise in Jesus name and everyone shout amen why don't you turn to two or three before you're seated and say set the field on fire the Bible tells us that Samson married to a woman from Timnath. She had been cheated in our text by the Philistines. The Philistine men had threatened her so that she would give them the answer to Samson's riddle. When Samson realized what had been done, he, he said unto them, now get this, I, I don't know that I would talk about talk like this about my wife, but he said, if he had not plowed with my heifer, not you, baby, not you, then ye had not, would not have found out my riddle. He was speaking of them exploiting her to gain the answer to the riddle. And the Bible says that Samson's anger was kindled and he went down and he slew 30 men of the Philistines and he took all of their spoils, he took all of their possession. And then it appears in Scripture that he left town and he, he left his wife behind and he disappeared for a time. And, but when he returned, the Bible lets us to know that he went to see her in the chamber when he arrived back, but his father-in-law forbid him to go into her because he said, I, I thought, Samson, that you were angry, and I, I thought that you hated her for what she did and that you left her for good, so I gave her to your best friend. I don't know how you might feel if you were in his shoes, but there are there, there is some anger that arose in Samson when he realized what had transpired. And he learned at that moment that yet another Philistine, even in this case, had caused this situation to happen that caused him to lose his wife. Listen to me right now. You can mess with a lot of things in my life, but when you start messing with my family, when you start messing with my spouse, when you start messing with my children, there is something that starts burning 
deep down on the inside. And, and, and can, can I connect to every mom and to every dad in this building this morning? Can I, for just a moment, connect to every husband and to every wife and say, devil, you can mess with the strangers down the road, but when you start messing with my house, you're going to stir up some indignation in me. You're going to see a little fight rising to me. Can I say to every mother in this house, there has got to be something that arises in you and says, enemy, you cannot have my kids. There has to be a dad that will say, you cannot have my babies. You're not going to get my kids involved in this. Is there anybody in this room this morning that will say, I'm tired of the devil trying to mess with my children. I'm tired of what the devil's trying to do in my community. I'm angry now. I'm angry. If we're not careful, we will label Christianity exactly what the devil wants it to be labeled, and that is meek and weak. All Christians are supposed to Turn the other cheek. And I understand that when your brother offends you and they do you wrong, the Bible says that you are to turn the other cheek and let them hit you on that side. I understand when we're dealing with offense, but let me tell you that when you're dealing with the enemy, it's a different story altogether. When you are dealing with the enemy trying to destroy your marriage, when you're dealing with the enemy trying to destroy your children's family, when you're dealing with the enemy trying to destroy your grandchildren with addiction and trying destroy their minds and make them contemplate suicide. Listen, last week, last week in our community, some of you may have seen what happened, but there was a suicide awareness uh, rally, if you will, that took place at Prairie Creek Park, and I think it was Sister Kayla that sent a picture to all of us of all these backpacks that were lined up in the in the in the in the park, just one after another after another, and each. In, in each backpack uh, represented a young person in our community that has committed suicide. It's another thing altogether when the enemy starts messing with the minds of our families and our young people and getting them to contemplate things that they normally wouldn't contemplate. I, I don't know what it does to you, but when I hear of young people committing suicide, when I hear of young people overdosing because of addiction that the enemy has put on them and that has bound them so tight, something arises in me and says enough is enough. When I look at our young people and what they are facing in life, and I look about and look at the things that they have to face every day when they walk into school, there is something that arises in me and says, Devil, you better get your hands off our young people. Devil, you better get your hands off our children. Because I am tired. what the influence of the devil is doing in our community and is doing in our region. I'm stirred this morning to the core, and I've come to declare 
in the spirit, and I've come to declare in the enemy, not one more death. Not one more young person dying. Not one more young person being bound by addiction. Not one more adult having to struggle through life day in and day out because of addiction. But I am here to declare to the enemy that those chains will be broken. Those chains of addiction will be loosed. And God is going to set you free. that Jesus was meek but make no mistake about it Jesus was not weak you hear me this morning I feel it in the Holy Ghost but you hear this preacher this morning it's time for the church to stop being meek and weak it's time for the church to stop just turning our face to everything that's going on around us and say, well, someday it may get better or we'll pray for a peace to happen. But it's time for the church to arise in the spirit and say, I am going to make a difference. I'm tired of just letting the enemy in and wreaking havoc and doing whatever it is that he wants to do. But today I'm declaring it is enough. Not what? more, not one more bound by addiction, not one more. Come on, somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Not one more. Brother Pastor Dylan, thank you so much for a couple of weeks ago preaching that message that you preached. One more soul. And I thank you, God, carry this in my Bible. It goes everywhere that I go. And every time I look at it, I think of one more so. But I'm just going ahead and adapt it to what I'm preaching this morning. I'm here to declare not one more. Not one more. Not one more addiction. Not one more bound. Not one more uh, contemplating suicide. But I'm going to declare there's one more freed. There's one more that's been loosed from addiction. There's one more. Saul, Jesus was not weak. Because it's when he saw that things were not the way that they were supposed to be that the Bible said he took a whip and he went into the temple and he began to kick over the tables. He began to crack the whip and run them out when things were not, when it was no longer the house of God. But they had made it a den of thieves. They had made it for profit, a for-profit organization. God, Jesus went throughout and he walked to the tables and he kicked it and he said, it's, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. When's the last time that we as the church begin to walk up and down our city, begin to walk the aisles of this church and go to war with the enemy and say, that's enough. You get your hands off of them. You, you get your hand out of their marriage. You get your hand off their life. Last time that we got angry. When's the last time? I 
went to Walmart. My wife sent me to Walmart this morning. It is the last thing that I wanted to do. She went, she sent me to Walmart this morning. As I walked up and down those aisles, I told you I've been doing a little soul searching, been doing a little changing in my life. What would normally cause me just to put my hair, my head down and, and just bear through it. I found myself pushing a cart, going, looking at everyone, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning to you. Everything going good in your life? You're doing good this morning? And one lady said, well, well, it's been a struggle. I said, well, you'll have that, but God can help you through that. I just began to, began to push a cart, and I walked out. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly. And he laid a burden on my heart. And I stopped there in the parking lot. And I said, God, just allow me to feel the pain that they're going through. Allow me to see the things that have them bound so I can better pray for them. That I can better fight. Come on, somebody. When's the last time we went out into our community and said, God, just lead me. God, let me feel it. God, let me see it. God, let me hear it. He said, for the zeal of the Lord's house hath eaten me up. Can I tell you that the enemy would love nothing more than to back the church into a corner by getting us to believe that we just have to accept that, that we just have to accept it, that the fact that we cannot change our community. People are just going to die of addiction, and there's nothing that we can do about it. He wants to convince us that people are going to die of alcoholism, and there's just nothing that we can do about it. Listen, the enemy wants to convince us that there is no hope because he knows that the only thing that can stop him here on this earth is the church of the living God. Listen, church isn't a place where we go to fall asleep and get a nap. Church isn't a place where we just go to fulfill our religious obligation, but the church is a place where we can come and get empowered by His presence to push back the darkness of what the enemy is trying to do. And I've come to preach to you this morning that you're not too old and you're not too young for God to do something with you, through you, and in you. We need to be the church. Quit backing yourself into a corner and just say, well, the enemy's been fighting me today and there's not really anything that I can do about it. I prayed and nothing's happening. You understand that when you get into that situation, you know what you need to do? You just pray a little harder. When you, when you have fought the enemy all day long and nothing's worked, you know what you do? You just begin to fight a little harder because you are part of the church of the living God. And his word said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The enemy has declared war on you, but today we're declaring war on the enemy. I'm declaring war on the prince of this city. I'm declaring war on the spirit of fear. I declare war on the spirit of infirmity. 
Lift your hands in this house right now. Come on, if you have the Holy Ghost, just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Let the Spirit lead you right now. I feel so strongly. I feel the Spirit of God in this house. Come on, stir up that gift that is in you. Stir that gift that is in you. morning I feel a little bit like David who when he saw a lion come and grab a lamb, David stood and said you can't have what belongs to my father. I feel a little like David when the bear comes and grabs a sheep, he said you can't have what belongs to my father. I've come to preach to somebody in this house and tell you, just to declare to the devil, devil you can't have what belongs to the father and if it's me I belong to the father. My family belongs to the father. My kids belong to the father. My household you can't have them. You can't have it. The nature of the enemy is when he gets in your life. He can't leave you alone until he destroys you. I'm going to say that again. Some of you need to understand that the nature, some of you have been playing around with some things that you don't need to be playing around with. I'm just going to go ahead and say it in the Holy Ghost. You've been entertaining some spirits that you don't need to be entertaining. You've been entertaining some thoughts that shouldn't be in your mind. Because when the devil comes in, it may seem cute and innocent at first. But when the devil comes in through that spirit and he gets in your life, he will not stop until he destroys you. You can't just have the pleasure of sin. But he will always turn it to self-destruction. Why? Because it is his nature. But the nature of God is so very different. The nature of God is that no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or where you've been, when you have faith in Him, He doesn't care how far you've been gone. and He doesn't care what you've done. And He doesn't care how long it's been since you've come to His house. He doesn't care even where you were last night. When you turn to Him, He puts His hand on you. And He starts bettering you. That's God's nature. The nature of God is not to curse you. I feel like saying that to somebody this morning. The nature of God is not to curse you for the mistakes that you've made. I'm going to stop right here for just a minute. God's nature is not to curse you and, and to punish you because you messed up this week. 
Come on, I think I'd hear some elders say a great big amen to that. God's not here to curse you and to punish you because you slipped up and you made a mistake. You said something that you shouldn't have said or you thought something that you shouldn't have thought. God's not here to punish you because that's not his nature. But the nature of God is no matter how far you've been and how long you've been gone, God is there waiting with open arms and he say, just come to me. Just come to me. I know you messed up. I know you're hurting. I know it looks bad. It's God's nature. It's God's nature. It's not the nature of the enemy. That he wants to destroy your life. But God wants to give you. Come on, you're struggling in your relationships. You're struggling with all sorts of things. And the enemy's just telling you, see, it ain't ever going to get any better. You just, just look, you might as well just go ahead and end it all. You might as well just go ahead and pick up that bottle again. You might as well go ahead and take those pills. You might, you might just go ahead and think about taking your own life because he wants to destroy you. But there is a God in this household. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. There is a God in this house this morning that says, I'll take you like you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care that you've messed up. I love you, and you are my child. Because it is the nature of God. John 10.10 says it like this. The thief cometh but to steal, to kill. He's going to take everything away from you. I wish I could, I wish I could rip over, open my chest and show you my heart this morning. There are some of you that are playing with some dangerous things. There are some of you that are playing with fire. And what happens when you play with fire? Eventually you're going to get burned. It looks cute and innocent right now. It, oh, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just dabbling. I'm just having a little fun. I'm just, I'm just kind of living my life the way that I want to. I, I know what the Word says, but I'm not ready to line up with the world. God help you. You need to make a decision this morning that says, I'm going to put away those things. I'm going to put away those spirits. I'm not going to invite those spirits into my life. I'm not going to invite those spirits into my home, but I am going to push away those things this morning. The enemy cannot help but drag you down. When the prodigal son was far away from God, when he got in the pig pen, he went, understand, from a wealthy house to nothing. wasn't just some Joe Schmo. This was a, a wealthy boy born into a wealthy family, and he walked away from the wealth of his father's house to go live his life. And then eventually, all those that, that, that partied with him, all those that encouraged him along the way, suddenly were nowhere to be found. And this boy is starving to death in a pig pen. He was in his father's house, never had to work a day in his life. His daddy provided everything for him. And now he's having to work, shovel pig slop, clean up after pigs and the Bible says that he gets into the pig pen and he was in such bad shape he was so hungry 
that he began to look at what the pigs were eating. He began to desire what the pigs were feeding on. The enemy can't help but take you and drag you down. He'll shame you. He'll cause you to do things you're ashamed of. He, he, he will cause you to do uh, nothing that's, that's, that, that is, is worth doing. He will cause you to think that you're not good enough because of the mistakes that you've made. He wants to drag you down and pull you through the mud because it is his devil is a fallen angel and he wants to, to, to make sure that every one of you fall with him. He wants nothing more than for you to feel hopeless. His nature is that he gets in and he won't let go until he has you destroyed. And we have already read John 10.10, 10, for the enemy come. To, to, but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But read on in that verse where Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have that life more abundantly. That is the power of the church. And what you are feeling here in this day, in this room today, is not just positive energy. It's not just emotionalism. But what we are feeling in this house today is the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God that will heal you. It's the Spirit of God that you feel that will set you free. It is His Spirit that will better your life. The Bible says that when the prodigal came to himself, he said these words. He said, I perished because of a set out on this life that he thought was going to be fun and games. And now he's hungry and no man will give him anything. Isn't it amazing how that sin will take you farther than you ever dreamed you would go? And then it will drop you off all by yourself and no one can help you. Where are your friends now? You're in prison and you have no friends. You're in bondage, no friends. Their circle changes. The, the circle changes to people just like you that have no friends because misery loves company. Hear me when I say there's about to be a whole bunch of people in this city. There's about to be a whole bunch of people in this region that are going to be set free from the chains and the bonds that the enemy has put on them. I'm declaring today, this morning, in this service, devil, you've had them long enough. Devil, you they've been addictive long enough. You've been contemplating suicide long enough but I'm preaching to someone who you've been in bondage long enough but you do not have to stay that way because Jesus wants to set you free this
this morning. There are some of you that cannot get your life straight because of the spirit that you have allowed to enter your life. You know it's there. You know it. You can feel it. There is something around you that will not let go and let you have joy. And, and you, can't, you can't keep a relationship for what you've allowed in your life. You know why? Because the nature of the enemy is to divide. It's to separate. It's to tear us down. But I've become to tell the enemy in your life this morning, his day is over. There is a deliverer in the house. There is a miracle worker in the house. I am preaching to someone who you haven't had anybody set you free this morning. God, come on, somebody again, raise your hands. I'm almost done this morning. Raise your hands in this house. Come on, somebody, to begin to declare the word of the Lord over this house right now. Come on, somebody, lift your voice and begin to declare the word of the Lord. You don't have to live bound. You don't, you don't have to live depressed this morning. You don't have to live with guilt. You don't have to live hopeless, but you can be free in this house today. Getting back to our text, Jesus taught us in his word that the field was the world. He compared you and I, people, individuals, to wheat, or what was referred to as corn in the Old Testament. You will find in Luke 12 and 49 that he says, I am come to send fire on the earth. The New Living Translation says it this way, I have come to set the world on fire. What that means is that every thing that he has ever done. He has always done through fire. The Bible also tells us that God is a consuming God is a consuming when Jesus was introduced by John the Baptist he said I baptize you with water unto repentance but there is one who is coming after me who is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with When Moses was called out to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt and to take them into the promised land, you find that God spoke to him through a burning bush. It was burning, yet it was not consumed. And out of the fire came a word of direction that called Moses to lead three and a half million slaves out of Egypt into their promise and into their destiny. Where did it come from? It it came from the fire. He also said in Hebrews chapter 1 that when he talks to the Son of God, 
He talks differently than he talks to the angels. For he said, I will cause my angels to be ministers of fire. You, under, you, you see the... You see the parallel this morning? You see the, 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 the web that I am so uh, trying to weave this? He told them that his church would not start. It did not start in a dining room. It did not start on the Mount of Olives. But he said it's going to start in Jerusalem. He said my church is going to begin at Jerusalem. And he said, told them to go there until you are endued with power from on high. When they got there, it was, the, it was 50 days after Passover. It was called Pentecost. And when they got to the upper room, they sought God for three days in fasting. And then they had an all-night prayer meeting. We would say that they built an altar before the Lord and then they waited on God. And then something happened. Acts 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound uh, from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the fire fell on them, something spoke out of them. The Bible says that holy men of old spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. What this is saying is that when God sets the world on fire, it is actually talking about that he is going to set the believer on fire. This is what he was talking about. I'm going to set the field on fire. I'm going to let it start being uh, by a flaming evangelist and then it's going to go throughout the church and then it's going to spread throughout the entire world. Hear me this morning. Now here's where I want to get to. The fire will always cause you to speak the things of God. That's when, that's why when fire fell on the day of Pentecost, they begin to speak that the Bible says that they begin to speak about the wonderful works of God. I'm going to tell you why this morning, as I quickly draw to a close, why I'm preaching the way that I'm preaching this morning. It's because I feel the fire of God setting upon me this morning. Because I'm because it causes me to say things that I haven't necessarily prepared. It causes me to see things that I otherwise wouldn't see and would surely never be able to comprehend. It has always, always been the will of God that the preacher would preach and that the fire would come through him to the congregation. When the fire would spread from the preacher, it would spread to the believer, to the congregation. And the congregation, the believer, would go home and tell of all the wonderful things that God had done for them. And the next person then would believe. History says this about 
History tells us that the Apostle Paul was on such fire that they had to change when he was in prison, that they had to change his guards every 15 minutes or else he would convert them. Hear me right now. What would happen? What would happen if we got on fire? What would happen if the fire of the Holy Ghost would burn so bright and so hot in us that we couldn't help but affect and convert those around us, that we were just walking through life and those that come in contact with us we be, would be converted and then they would believe and then they would get on fire and then they would call someone else to believe and someone else. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? It's time for the church of the living God to get on fire. I'm not talking about just a little flickering flame, but I'm talking about an all-consuming, burning, hot, fire that will cause our community and will cause our region. tried to stop it. They tried to close the place, the thing down. They tried to prevent it. But because he was on fire, fire began to spread. You know what happens with fire? I can come and I can light this flag on fire. And as that flag's consumed, eventually those flames are going to jump to the next one. And then when that one's consumed, the flames are going to jump to you understand what could happen if one person you understand what can happen if one Samson well I'm just one person there's not much I can do well my little family, there's not that much we can do, not many people that we can affect. We, we talk to the same people day in and day out. We limit God. We try to control the fire, not let it get out of, Brother, Brother Justin, not let it get out of control. We will, it's fine. I'm just going to contain it right here in my house. I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna I'm gonna light a little flame and I'm gonna I'm gonna guard it when I walk out the door and I don't want the wind to blow it out, but I, I don't also don't want the wind to fan the flames. Get in our car, we take it home, sit it on the mantle of the fireplace. We're content with just a little fire. Let it burn for my family to see. But I don't really want it to consume me. <laughs> I want the fire. I really do. I don't ever want it to get out of control. I, I, don't, I don't want someone to see me as an out of control fire starter.
about you this morning. But I'm tired of a little fire. I'm tired of a little fire was when I come on a Sunday. Pastor Brandon, I'm tired of just being comfortable with just a little flicker of a flame. And I judge myself by, all, by that and I say, I'm okay because I got a little fire in my life. Satisfied with that. I want a fire to burn in me. I want it to consume me. I want it to consume everybody that I come in contact with. I want it to consume my home. I want it to consume my family. I want it to consume my wife. I want it to consume my. I'm not satisfied with just a little fire, but I've got to have an all consuming, all burning fire. of this city. I prophesy that the fire is going to spread to our Spanish-speaking community. I, I'm here to declare and to prophesy that the fire is going to spread to Lebanon and to Boone County. I'm here to prophesy that the fire is going to spread to the Frankfurt school system. It's going to spread to Clinton Prairie school system. It's going to spread to Rossville school system. It's going to spread across Clinton County. It's going to spread across this region. I prophesy a re revival of backsliders. I prophesy that marriages are going to be put back together. I prophesy that the chains of addiction are going. What would happen in our community if the drug dealer had to go out of business because everybody has been delivered and there's nobody bound by addiction anymore? May the fire of my altar never burn out. What would happen if every bar in our community had to close down because nobody was frequenting their establishment anymore because the chains of alcoholism had been broken.
Somebody needs to fan the flames this morning. Somebody needs to fan the fire this morning. Let it spread, David. Let it spread. Let it spread to your community. Let it spread to your workplace. Let it spread in your marriage. Let it spread in your home. Let it spread to your children. Let it spread to your family. Set us on fire. Once you light a fire, there's no enemy that can extinguish it.
on, God's doing something in this house this morning. God is wanting to fan the flames of your fire this morning. Let him fan it. Let him fan it. Come on, there are moms in this place that are fanning the fire over the children. There are dads in this place that are standing there fanning the flame and saying, not my children, not my home, not my family, not my marriage. in the Holy Ghost. I did not get there, but I'm going to go there for just a moment if you'll allow me. All right. Samson said, I'm going to set the field on fire. Pastor Dylan, come here. Pastor Brandon, would you come here for a moment? Samson gets one fox. Ties them together. And the Bible says that he took torches. And he placed a torch in between two tails. And he lit it. And then he let them go. Understand. It's not in the lighting of a fire on one individual alone. But it's when we get in unity. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's when we are in unity. We are brought together. We are tied together in unity because the Bible says if one could put a thousand to flight, my God, if one could put a thousand to flight, 
If two could put 10,000, what would happen if 300 of us got together in unity and we said, we're going to light a fire. We're going to, it was in the getting together of the unity. It was when the fire was lit and then God let them go. What would happen if we were all to get in one mind and one accord and said, I'm coming together in unity for one purpose, and that purpose is to set this world on fire. I want you to link up with two or three people right now. Find two or three people to link up. I want you to turn to those people that you're linked up with and I want you to look them in the eye and say I'm unifying myself to you Come on, look at him. Say, I'm, I'm joining myself to you. I'm willingly tying myself to you because I can't do this on my own. I need you. One fox needed another fox. One person needs another person. You can do, you can have an effect on your own, but you can't do what two of you can do. And two of you can't do what 50 can do. And 50 can't do what 300 can do. I want you to agree together right now. Voices lifted, praying and saying, God, unify us together. God, bring us together. God, let the fire burn amongst us. Come on, that's it. Let a cry arise in this house. Father, you've always needed a conduit for revival. You've always needed a body. You've always needed a flesh. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would light everybody in this room on fire with the Holy Ghost. God, that you would send them to turn their world upside down. In the name of Jesus, let the fire saturate everybody in this house. In the name of Jesus, let them set you on fire. Let them set you on fire. Let him set you on fire. Let him set you on fire. He's looking for a yes. He's looking for a vessel. He's looking for somebody that'll say, I will go to the field. I will be a conduit.